from Compass Media Networks, this is America's First News. This morning, with your host, Gordon Deal. Avoiding a shutdown. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Wednesday, November 15. Glad you could join us. Here's what we have for you this hour. House Republicans, with an assist from Democrats, have passed a temporary spending bill designed to keep the government funded passed this weekend. Israel says a precision operation carried out within Gaza's largest hospital has led to the deaths of several Hamas militants. The prosecutor in Georgia leading the election interference case against former President Trump says it's likely to drag into 2025. And the toxic atmosphere exposed at the F. DIC. Where they had to hear about strip clubs or received naked photos from their colleagues or or otherwise had were aware that their colleagues were engaging in sexual relations with, with other members of the staff. So it just really stood out to me how how similar what all these women were telling me. Rebecca Ballhouse at the Wall Street Journal on her exclusive story about sexual harassment and misogyny going unpunished at a lead banking regulator. The Israeli military says earlier today it killed several Hamas militants at the outset of a raid on the Al-Shifa hospital, where thousands of Palestinian civilians, patients, displaced people and medical staff have been trapped during weeks of fighting. Israel says it launched the raid because Hamas has a command center underneath the hospital and uses connected tunnels to conceal military operations and to hold hostages. Hamas denies it. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. says its own intelligence supported Israel's conclusions, but it's not clear if that's Israel's information or independent intel. Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, PIJ, members operate a command and control node from al-Shifa in Gaza City. They have stored weapons there, and they're prepared to respond to an Israeli military operation against that facility. The Israeli military said the forces targeting the hospital include medical teams and Arabic speakers who are part of an effort to avoid civilian casualties. The U.S. has cautioned Israel not to strike the hospital from the air. Well, perhaps exhausted by the brinksmanship, House lawmakers have approved a plan by Speaker Mike Johnson to keep the government temporarily funded beyond this weekend's deadline. He relied heavily on Democratic votes to get the bill over the finish line, but the 336 to 95 vote exceeded a two-thirds majority that was required under a special procedure that skirted intraparty disagreements among Republicans. I'm one of the arch conservatives, okay, and I want to cut spending right now, and I would like to put policy writers on this. But when you have a three-vote majority, as we do right now, we don't have the votes to be able to advance that right now. So what we need to do is avoid the government shutdown. Why? Because that would unduly harm the American people. The measure extends funding at current levels but pushes off fights over issues including border security, federal spending levels, and funding for Ukraine and Israel. The legislation, which would extend government funding through mid-January, now heads to the Senate, where Democratic and Republican leaders have voiced support. Six people have been killed, including three high school students, after their charter bus was rear-ended by a semi-truck on a highway in eastern Ohio. Eighteen others were injured. Derek Ferransky, the superintendent of the Tuscarawas Valley School District, says the charter bus was transporting band members from Tuskegee Valley High School with chaperones to the Ohio School Boards Association Conference, which was being held about 100 miles west in Columbus. National Transportation Safety Board Chair Jennifer Hammondy. We're looking for cameras that may have been in motor vehicles or the motor coach. Uh, you know, we will want to look at uh, 
determine what the sequence of the event was. The accident occurred on Interstate 70 West in Licking County. The cause was not immediately known. It involved two commercial vehicles and two passenger vehicles along with the charter bus. At least three of the vehicles caught fire. Schools are open today, but for those who don't want to be home alone, several hundred gathered for a vigil last night at Tuskegee High School. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Despite his less-than-stellar polling numbers, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott dropping out of the Republican primary could have an outsized impact on the 2024 presidential campaign. In-depth analysis from Haston Willis, White House reporter at the Washington Examiner. Haston, Nikki Haley seen as the beneficiary? Yeah, she is. Nikki Haley has uh, surged, relatively speaking, since the debates began. She was at about 3% polling uh, before the first debate in late August. She's tripled that. She's at 9%. Still not great, but she's definitely, you know, building up momentum. There's talk now that she's challenging Ron DeSantis for that second place anti-Trump spot. So Tim Scott getting out of the way potentially is a big deal for her. Uh, biggest reason being that they're both from South Carolina. So if you're a you know, local uh, South Carolina looking for an alternative to Trump, uh, you probably voted for both of these people if you're a Republican. Which one do you pick? Uh, with Tim Scott not being in there, of course, you're more likely to pick Haley. Uh, they they appeal to basically a similar type of voter, more of an establishment, old school, uh, George W. Bush type Republican. I don't know if they would agree with that assessment, but that's that's mine. Uh, they're more of an establishment type of uh, politician. And Tim Scott getting out of the way, therefore, is a, is a potential benefit to Haley. What could that mean, say, during the South Carolina primary, which is fairly early in, in the race, right? Early yeah, early and early. sorry, that, that, yeah, that's what I was <laughs> trying to uh, getting to. Yeah, right. Uh, the, the reason this is a big deal is that South Carolina is an early state. You have Iowa first, New Hampshire second, and then South Carolina third. And South Carolina, in some sense, is a bigger deal. Uh, it's a little bit bigger state than those other two, um, and is an important territory really for both parties. Um, it's in kind of the Republican stronghold of the South there. But uh, anyway, with them both being from South Carolina, right, Nikki Haley is going to be looking for a strong showing in the early states, especially in South Carolina. If she can do there, uh, do well there, and especially if she can beat DeSantis, I think her goal and DeSantis's goal right now is to become that solid number two, try to get to a one-on-one matchup with Trump and see what happens. Hmm. We're speaking with Haston Willis, White House reporter at the Washington Examiner. His piece is called, Is Nikki Haley? the big winner of Tim Scott suspending his presidential campaign. Um, what, did we, what do we take away from the fact that, that Mr. Scott then did not endorse anybody as he stepped out of the race? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I mean, that, you know, he says he's not going to endorse anyone, but that, that could change. Um, I did talk to a uh, 
political professor from the University of South Carolina. He said he thought that if Tim Scott uh, endorsed anybody, it would be Haley that he would endorse again, because they have some some similarities. They have a lot of background together, too. And Haley was South Carolina governor. She appointed Scott. So uh, he kind of is in the Senate in some sense uh, because of her. Uh, that doesn't mean he owes her anything. Thing or endorsement at this point that was about ten years ago, but they have some history together. Um, so he he could you know he could end up backing her. The question there, of course, is how much of a difference that really makes. He was he dropped out, of course, in part because he was polling so low. I think he was getting about six percent support in South Carolina. So Haley could get the entire six. Okay. That's still not going to do that much against Trump, who again, as we all know, is the runaway front runner right now. It, it'd be wild speculation, all but I'll throw it out there: is the lack of an endorsement by Mr. Scott. Uh, a sign that he might be angling for like a, a, a VP position on the Trump ticket? Yeah, well, that, that's what Trump would tell you. He, he says everybody who's running against him, they're all running for a job in his administration. Uh, you know, okay. very Trumpy in there with that. Uh, they're, they're all trying to be secretary of something uh, once he becomes president. Uh, yeah, he could be holding out for that reason. Yeah, there could be some backdoor negotiation there. I'm not privy to any of that, but it's certainly possible. What's reaction from the field been like, including uh, Trump and Haley and DeSantis since Mr. Scott dropped out? Yeah, one interesting note there is that, um, again, Haley has kind of uh, surged, relatively speaking, uh, to kind of take that second place spot. She has uh, tied DeSantis in Iowa, which is interesting because uh, DeSantis has kind of put all the chips on Iowa. He's really gone heavy on that, on that winning that first state. Um, so they issued, his campaign issued a statement uh, on Monday morning, so just a few hours really after Scott suspended his campaign, uh, attacking Nikki Haley, uh, saying she didn't have a realistic path to win, um, and, and that kind of thing. But but the fact that they're attacking Haley tells you that that's who they're paying attention to, and they're wary of that potential challenge from her. Thanks, Haston. Haston Willis, White House reporter at the Washington Examiner. 20 minutes after the hour on this morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel says its forces were conducting a precise operation against Hamas in a specific area of the Al-Shifa medical complex with the intent that no harm is caused to the civilians being used by Hamas as human shields. The Israel Defense Forces reported locating a Hamas training encampment containing tunnels, intelligence materials, and weapons. The White House indicated similar intelligence. Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh. I'm not going to get into how or where this intelligence is coming from. This is done by our intelligence community. Um, it was put together and downgraded so you can you know, have a better idea of what's happening on the ground. The medical facility has been unable to operate in a hospital capacity following the depletion of fuel and medical supplies. Number two. Supporters of Israel rallied by the tens of thousands on the National Mall in Washington under heavy security Tuesday, voicing solidarity in the fight against Hamas. The March for Israel offered a resounding and bipartisan endorsement of one of the U.S.'s closest allies, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. Israel has an absolute right to defend itself against Hamas terror. Jeffries, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, House Speaker Mike Johnson, and Republican Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa came together on the stage and joined hands. Number three. House lawmakers have approved a Republican plan that would continue funding federal agencies until early next year, a critical step in averting a partial government shutdown, with House Speaker Mike Johnson relying heavily on Democratic votes to get his bill across the finish line. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Nice to see us working together. 
prevent a government shutdown. The 336 to 95 vote exceeded a two-thirds threshold required under a special procedure employed by Johnson to sidestep internal GOP disagreements. Heavy rainfall today brings the risk of numerous flash floods to parts of southern Florida. Seven million people along the East Coast are under a flood watch through tomorrow, impacting the areas around Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and West Palm Beach. A high surf advisory was also issued due to the risk of rip currents. Investors cheered cooler than expected data on consumer inflation, sending stocks soaring yesterday. Analysts now expect no further interest rate cuts this year or hikes, and the 33% expect a cut in March. The Dow Industrial surge 490, the Nasdaq jumped 326. 33% expect a cut? Yep, Next cuts March? are coming now. Wow. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jen. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your personal HelloFresh holiday helper. Seriously, make your holiday festivities stand out with HelloFresh with over 45 scrumptious recipes that will impress at your party. This season, indulge in the joy of cooking made simple. HelloFresh delivers right to your door so it's convenient and saves time. And with the very specific step-by-step instructions from HelloFresh, it's easy for someone with zero kitchen skills like me to follow along. Make it the tastiest holiday season yet with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets me ditch the store run. No stressing about running back and forth or worrying about forgetting something. Their farm-fresh and pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free and use code Gordon Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free with the code Gordon Free. Unleash the tasty seasonal flavors from America's number one meal kit. Order HelloFresh today at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free. Having a good credit score can mean lower interest rates and more options for financial products and services. According to a new Nerd Wallet survey, 79% of us say we're trying to improve our credit right now. Insight from Sarah Rathner, credit card expert at Nerd Wallet. Sarah, what are we learning? Yeah, Americans are concerned about their credit scores, especially if they've been negatively impacted in the past, which 43% of Americans told us was the case for them, uh, or if they're planning on utilizing their credit score sometime over the next year to maybe apply for a new credit card or a loan like a mortgage or an auto loan. You said, too, uh, barriers are keeping half of U.S. adults from improving their credit. Like what? That could be things like a low credit limit or not being able to make debt payments or even not being approved for a credit card. And these things can all get in the way of improving your credit score over time. Is this uh, at least in part due to the resumption of student loan payments? It can be, but that depends, of course, on you know each individual person and their history and their situation. Um, your credit limit could also be limited by your income and other factors like your debt to income ratio. If you have a big debt load relative to the amount of income you're bringing in, that makes it harder for lenders to want to lend you money. Yeah. You said too, many are concerned about hurting their credit. I mean, generally, how do you hurt your credit? Big one is making payments late, missing payments entirely. That can ding your credit by as much as 100 points if you're more than 30 days late on, say, a credit card payment. So you really don't want to do that. Set as many reminders as you need to, text alerts, email alerts, alarms, whatever, to pay your credit card bills on time every time. You can also set up auto pay if you have the money in your funding account to do so. Uh, You can even set up auto pay just to cover the minimum payment and then go in manually and pay more if you can. Mm. We're speaking with Sarah Rathner, 
credit card expert at NerdWallet. They've got a new study that finds four in five Americans are trying to improve their credit. So if you're trying, if you're making this effort then, Mm -hmm. basics here are what? Like I said, on-time payments, but you also want to be mindful of how carefully you're using the credit limit you have. And we talked about one of the roadblocks to improving credit being a low credit limit. Here's why. Your credit utilization, which is the percentage of your total available credit limit that you're using by by making charges every month, the rule of thumb is you don't want to go above 30%. But if you have a low credit limit, you're using your card to charge day-to-day expenses, it's really easy to go over and above that recommended 30% amount every month. And over time, that's going to hurt your credit. So one big thing you can do is call your credit card company and see if you're eligible for a higher credit limit. You could also update your income on your account online, and that might make you eligible for a credit limit increase as well. And if the answer is no, you can also apply for a second credit card, and that would increase your total available credit limit too. Yeah. What was the point you made about uh, not beating yourself up if your credit has to take a hit? Yeah, a lot of people tie their identity to their credit score for some reason. It's not who you are as a person. And you don't have to have a perfect 850 score. You can, you know, luckily credit scores come in ranges. So as long as you're in the good to excellent range, you know, that's 690 and up. That's going to open a lot of doors for you in terms of access to loans with favorable terms, in terms of access to credit cards and other things like that. Sarah Rathner, credit card expert at NerdWallet. 30 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. A cultural reckoning on sexual harassment, sexism in the workplace, and the hashtag MeToo movement has transformed offices in recent years. Yet the FDIC, a top banking regulator, continues to show a hesitance to impose harsh discipline on managers accused of misconduct, like going to strip clubs, sending lewd photos to colleagues, and encouraging excessive drinking. It's an exclusive story by Rebecca Ballhouse, investigative reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Rebecca, what stood out? What stood out to me is that I reached out to a number of people who had left the organization uh, when I was at the outset of reporting this story out. Uh, and some of them women, some of them men. And I just heard so many common themes, in particular from the women I was speaking to, but also some of the men, of women saying they left because they felt they were getting fewer opportunities than their male counterparts, describing the sort of sexualized culture where they had to hear about strip clubs or received naked photos from their colleagues or or otherwise had were aware that their colleagues were engaging in sexual relations with, with other members of the staff. So it just really stood out to me how how similar what all these women were telling me was, even if they were coming from very different offices all over the country. Man, how many interviews did you ultimately conduct here? I spoke to more than 100 current and former FDIC employees. Wow. All right. So, I mean, it didn't take long, I guess, after your story broke that the FDIC announced it was doing a, an internal probe, correct? That's right. So uh, the chairman sent a pre-recorded video to staff four hours after the story published saying that the FDIC had hired an external law firm to conduct a review of the situation. Before the Senate today, he said he hopes that review will be concluded in 90 days or less. Um, and so so they do seem to be taking some action in response. Okay. And, and how long was this going on? Well, the, the people that I spoke to stretch back 
you know, a, to a decade ago and some even longer. But it, what I think is really striking is that, of course, these kinds of issues and sexism, sexism in the workplace and sexual harassment gained such prominence again in 2017 with the Me Too movement. Yeah. And what's really striking, I think, is that there does not seem to have been much of a change in the way the FDIC handled complaints that came up. Um, and even after a 2020 report by their inspector general said that their protocols for sexual harassment were really lacking in many different ways, uh, they they took measures to address the the problems in that report, but there was not any kind of sort of wholesale recognition that there's a problem here. Wow. We're speaking with Rebecca Ballhouse, investigative reporter at The Wall Street Journal. She's got an exclusive story called Strip Clubs, Lewd Photos, and a Boozy Hotel, the Toxic Atmosphere at Bank Regulator FDIC. Um, so, so talk a little bit about the headline type stuff like the strip clubs, the boozy hotel. What was happening there? So the hotel was a really interesting aspect because, you know, what, what stood out to me throughout this story is the ways in which there are sort of structural problems where you might anticipate that problems of sexual harassment or, or other similar kinds of issues would come out of that. And so having a hotel where you send your new hires, many of them right out of college, for training all together with, with other people their age, they get per diem, and there's very little oversight of what they're doing, certainly in their off hours, I think that's predictable that there's going to be a lot of drinking going on there. And so that is what we found is that, you know, on the rooftop patio, there were people drinking sometimes alone, sometimes with their supervisors. People have vomited in the elevator there. They've peed off the roof. Um, the, I think a lot of this kind of behavior also took place at, at bars nearby. But one person I spoke to said that they gave their number to the hotel staff for uh, if people came stumbling back in late at night and, and hotel staff was concerned about them, this person would go running over to the hotel and make sure the people were okay. And that's just a kind of striking thing to have happening on, uh, on federal government property. There seemed to be a lack of punishment, too, even when concerns were raised. Yeah, so that's a really interesting aspect of this, I think. The chairman said that they feel they have the proper protocols in place, but that it's a matter of making people feel comfortable using uh, the various avenues that are available to them to um, to report what appropriate behavior they're seeing, that the issue is just that they're not using the avenues that they have available. But what we saw in this reporting is really that on a number of occasions, people did raise concerns. Yeah. They either brought it up in their exit interviews, or they said something to their supervisors, or they filed formal complaints. And still, on multiple occasions, the response was really lacking. Thanks, Rebecca. Rebecca Ballhouse, investigative reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Senators jumped on the investigation immediately, questioning FDIC Chairman Martin Grunberg yesterday over the agency's handling of allegations of harassment and discrimination. As you might expect from him, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy asked, quote, what the hell is going on at the FDIC? Mr. Grunberg says he was unaware of the allegations prior to the story breaking, but added, quote, appropriate policies and procedures are in place. 
Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Wednesday. It's time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, you know that we often talk about airline etiquette, and here's one that made national news, so let's dive right into it. Gospel singer Bobby Storm shared a clip of her run-in with a flight crew on a Delta flight earlier this month. Storm announced to the plane that she's up for two Grammys, and she wanted to sing her song for the passengers walking up the aisle. Flight attendants asked Storm to sit back down in her seat, but she persisted, singing for the passengers near her seat. Then a flight attendant asks whether she's going to be quiet, and when Storm says that the passengers were enjoying it, the crew member shoots back, I'm not enjoying it. (laughs) The pair go back and forth, and at one point, Storm says she's doing what the Lord is telling me to do. The flight attendant tells her that if she doesn't follow his instructions, she will be removed from the flight, but she goes ahead and continues to sing when the crew member leaves. In an emailed statement, Delta Airlines said it has been in contact with Storm and quote, for the safety of our customers and crew, it's always important to follow our crew instructions. Yeah, I, I think the Lord also might support that. Like this is following you know, the crew instructions. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the crew's plane. They're basically in charge. You know, they have your safety, of, you know, top of mind. Yeah. I think the Lord supports that also. Most, Follow the crew. Yeah, most of the commenters agreed with the crew. They're like, look, we just want to you know, go to sleep on a flight. I mean, I'm sure you have a beautiful voice and yeah. good luck in the Grammys, but we don't want to hear you singing during the flight. Yeah, perhaps just record something ahead of time, airdrop it to all of us on the plane. <laughs> if we choose to listen, we can listen from our seats you know, know. with our AirPods That, that sounds like an even bigger scandal, airdropping stuff to yeah. people. Oh, yes. uh, yeah, that, that would be an even bigger uproar, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. I appreciate her passion nonetheless. Yes. Uh, agreed. Yes. Good, good luck to heard the Grammys. And we know how superstitious athletes can be even when their ritual is flat out gross. That's what many are saying about Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who confirmed to the Manning brothers during Monday Night Football this week that he's worn the same pair of red underwear every game since his first NFL season. Now, for the record, Mahomes is in his seventh season in the league. This first came to light when Mahomes' former backup QB, Chad Henney, outed Mahomes' undies tradition on a podcast back in February. Mahomes did tell the Mannings that he cleans the undergarments sometimes, but the Chiefs being such a good team when he's under center is a bit of a double-edged sword. The two-time Super Bowl champ admitted that when the team's on a win streak, he doesn't wash them between games, preferring to ride with the sweat that got him there all the way until the next L. Yeah. Well, you know, he's... this. First of all, that underwear has to be pretty beat up. He's played more than 100 games at this point, right? You fall down, like the underwear takes just takes a beating yeah my 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 sense would be that um it's crusty (laughs) obviously when he puts it on but i think that the new sweat oh it's like supersedes the existing sweat that's already dried in the underwear so it's not like it's a new compounded smell it's just a new (laughs) smell okay so you know what i mean it's not double the smell yeah yeah it's just sweat replaces the dried sweat. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it just seems like layers to me, right? I, I don't want to smell sweat from like three months ago. Yeah, maybe you just don't get so close to him in the huddle <laughs> to avoid that. Probably a good idea. But I support the superstitious approach. Thanks, Mike. Dell's Black Friday event is their biggest sale of the year. Shop limited time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top brand accessories. Shop now at dell.com deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping. Again, that's dell.com deals. 
Thanks for spending time with us. Before you hit the coffee shop or order a cocktail at dinner, think twice. Note that additives and sugar may be lurking in some of your favorite drinks, and nutritionists are weighing in about which beverages to avoid if you're looking to put your health first. Fox News has a list. Number one, to avoid energy drinks and pre-workout drinks. Experts say they can lead to increased blood pressure, stress, and compromised sleep since they contain excess caffeine and stimulants. Number two, sweet alcoholic drinks, the combo of alcohol and fructose syrup, sometimes found in cocktails, not good for your liver. Number three, a no-brainer, traditional soda, which is bad due to its added sugar. Instead, they say opt for seltzer or sparkling water and add a squeeze of lime, lemon, or orange juice for flavor. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israeli forces carried out a targeted operation against Hamas in a specified area of Gaza's largest hospital hours after the White House backed Israeli assertions. The Palestinian militants are running military operations from the enclave's hospitals. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. I can confirm for you that we have information that Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad use some hospitals in the Gaza Strip, including Al-Shifa, and tunnels underneath them to conceal and to support their military operations and to hold hostages. The Israeli military said it launched a precise and targeted operation in the hospital. Number two. A charter bus filled with high school students was rear-ended by a semi-truck on an Ohio highway yesterday morning, leaving six people dead and 18 injured. Five vehicles were involved in the crash, including a bus carrying students from Tuscarawas Valley, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. This is just a tragedy that uh, no one can hardly ever imagine it. Three passengers on the bus were pronounced dead at the scene. All three people in one of the passenger vehicles involved were also killed. Number three. A congressional hearing devolved into an angry confrontation yesterday after Republican Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma challenged Sean O'Brien, the president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, to settle their differences. Panel chairman Bernie Sanders yelled at Mullen to sit down. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold Stop it. Is that your solution? Every poll. No, no, sit down. Sit down. You know, you're a United States senator. Mullen's Senate biography says he had a 5-0 record in the eight-sided MMA ring. A rare postage stamp is sold for $2 million in a New York auction, setting the record for the most expensive single U.S. stamp ever sold. The famous red, white, and blue inverted Jenny stamp dates back to 1918. Its fame is tied to both its rarity, only 100 were printed at the time, and also because the plane it depicts is printed in error upside down man how about the smarts to hang on to that right wow what could that have been a penny back then it was 24 cents actually which is surprisingly high i would agree thank you jen thanks for being with us two longtime friends were at a philadelphia eagles game last month and they received the ultimate upgrade marie knee and terrence spates also former co-workers were heading into lincoln financial field for the dolphins eagles game when they spotted an eagles social media admin approaching fans with an envelope in hand They accepted the envelope, figuring it was a seat upgrade, but it was way better. A video of their reaction to receiving sideline passes has received over 1.4 million likes on the Eagles' Instagram page as they raved about their dream upgrade. So there's sideline passes. If you want to come and watch the warm-up on the sideline, I can take you guys down there right now if you want to come. Right now? Yep. Yep. 
Several days later, the two were brought in for a tour of the NovaCare complex, the Philadelphia Eagles' home and training facility. They were treated to an extravagant lunch, visited the coaches' press conference, and walked the practice fields and the weight rooms. They also met scores of players. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.